cold has declared this coronavirus as a worldwide pandemic, if you will. And many people are making many decisions out there, uh, those in governing authorities as well as those in uh, medical field and all uh, schools and sports events and things like that, how they're going to adapt and adjust to this pandemic called coronavirus or COVID-19. And they're going to do what they're going to do. And the church of the living God needs to do what they're supposed to do. We are not in comp competition with anyone. We're not saying that we're better than anyone either. But we did get a head start on this thing. We didn't wait until it came into the shores. We prayed against it coming into the shores. We pleaded the blood of Jesus Christ over the border of the United States of America and all, and all other countries, if you will, that had not been penetrated by this disease or this influenza, this virus, if you will. However, we can't control decisions of authority figures, and they made their decisions, and thus here we are. I'm not being opinionated or anything like that, and I don't think that I'm perfect by any stretch. But I, if I was in charge, I probably wouldn't have let the people come in. Not that I hate them, not that I'm trying to be mean, but I'm trying to protect the ones that are here that don't have this thing. And until things are dealt with out there and it's eradicated, I would not bring it in, but they brought it in. And the reason these numbers keep escalating is because people who are having it, they're coming in and then it's spreading. And it's not the people's fault or anything that, like that, not blaming anyone in particular, but this is the matter that we have at hand. And so now, whereas first it was like, we only have like one case of it, and then we only have like three cases of it, and then we only have like 15 cases of it in the United States of America. Well, now we're at a thousand plus cases of it just in a matter of weeks, if you will. And so they're making these decisions and they're making them out of panic. And you got the administrators, you got the authority figures that are trying to calm people's nerves down. And the only reason I'm speaking this to you is to remind you of what you need to be doing. And that's what we told you to do at the beginning. One of the things that we gave you, and I'm not scolding or anything like that, but you, you really need to take heed to this. One of the things that we gave you was Psalms 91 to just read that and pray that over your family, over your life, over this ministry, if you will, over the church of the living God. Pray that over them daily, if you will. Even personalize it just so that you can, it's not just reading, but it's actually declaring, it's actually praying and petitioning God based on the authority and power of his word. This is why God gave us the Bible. Not just to read it as if it's just stories, but to take it into our heart and to live by it because it's the power of God resident within us. It causes us to have faith in God and then it gives us the wisdom and knowledge of knowing the mind and heart of God and then knowing what to do as his sons and daughters in the earth. God alone says that it is his word that makes us wise. When he was talking to the children of Israel, he was commanding them to read his word, to meditate on his word, if you will, to, to put it on your doorpost, to speak of it when you rise up, to speak of it when you go out, to speak of it when you come in, to speak of it when you're in the city, speak of it when you're in the field, to declare this word. 
And further along in the chapter, in the book, if you will, in Deuteronomy, he says, for then you will be wise. It's not our wisdom that makes us wise in God's eyesight. It's his wisdom that he gives to us that makes us wise in his eyesight. Hallelujah. And so every day, declare it. It doesn't matter how young you are. If you're young enough to be able to read, read it. If you can just listen and, and, and record it on the tablets of your heart and be able to recite it, do so on a daily basis. Why? Because you will get pounded and pounded and pounded day after day after day after day after day of the effects of what's happening. And it will have a tendency to invoke fear, the wrong kind of fear, not reverential fear for God, but afraid because you think you're going to die. Or if somebody else gets it, you wonder if they're going to die. And then you have to go through this grieving period of the loss of a loved one, if you will. But if you just pray the word of God, and every time you hear the negative words, whether it be the media, whether it be school officials, whether it be a governing official, if you will, whoever it may be, when you hear it, people talking about it on the job, you'll combat it with the word. Hallelujah. Because if all you do is absorb what they're saying, it's going to have the effects on your mind and on your heart and your actions. And you need something to combat that. And that's the word of faith, which we just read to you out of the uh, Passion Translation, if you will. But it's, it's a reassurance, if you will. It's like a comfort. It becomes like a covert. It becomes like a cover, if you will. And it's like you know that you're just abiding in his presence. And, and do call upon his commanded presence that even speaks to the powers of darkness to say that your life is off limits for the enemy. Your life is off limit for sickness and disease. Your life is off limits for demons trying to trouble you in the nighttime. Your life is off limits for anything and everything that darkness would try and bring your way. Hallelujah. Stand on the word of God. That's what God admires. He, he, it, it captures his attention because he already said the just shall live by faith. We got to have something to believe in. And so he gives us his word. Believe in my word. If we believe in his word, we believe in him. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So do so on a daily basis. Get yourself disciplined to do so. When you rise up in the morning, if, if, you, if, you, if you don't, I'll just say it like this in a nice way. If you don't have the energy to open up the scriptures and read them, then if you got one of those smartphones or if you got an iPad or something like that, you know, they now have, uh, what do they call it, voice reading for it. They'll read it for you. This is just, a, no, this is just how desperate many of the people of God are in trying to get the word of God into God's people. That's why we have so many different translations now trying to break it down into the most simplest forms so that God's people, and, and many of them are doing this, these translations, to create a passion and a desire. The passion translation, that's what it's all about. It's trying to create a passion for the word of the living God that you might fall in love with God because God is in love with you. Amen. And so, you know, if, if you... If you aren't able to because you're so busy in the morning, then, you know, you, and you even have earphones that you can put in your ears. You got those earbuds and stuff like that. You can do that. And some, they're making it now where you could take it in the shower with you. Waterproof. The phones are already waterproof. 
You could take them in the shower. Say, no excuse. Get this word in you. It's your safety. Hallelujah. This is a safe, well, not the phone, but the word of God. It's, it's on the phone. That's what I'm talking about. But this, is a, this will keep you safe from all deception and all the madness that goes on in the world in Jesus' mighty name. So we welcome each and every one of you, and thank you for coming out tonight. We pray that you're blessed. You have any questions about us and the way we worship and all, by all means, don't hesitate to ask us. We welcome our guests who are here for the first time. We thank you for coming to fellowship with us this night. Thank you, Sister Virginia, for inviting them. Hallelujah. And uh, anyways, I, I just felt impressed to, to read this over you um, and then to encourage you to do it on a daily basis. It's like, you know, taking medicine, if you will. It's like taking, you know, some people, they, in order to cope with the storms and the adversities and the problems, some will reach for a bottle and it's not water. Some will reach for drugs and alcohol. Some will reach for all sorts of things and do all sorts of things with their lives to try and calm their fears and calm their nerves, if you will. But you just reach for, if it's just one scripture, you reach for the word. Amen? And don't let no devil try and deceive you and make you think that you can't stand on or believe the word of God. God is not a man, according to Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie. He's not the son of man that he needs to repent. If he said it, he's going to do it. And if he's spoken it, he shall surely make it good. Ask Abraham. God told him he'd have a son at 75. And he didn't get the son till 100, but he got the son. Hallelujah. He got the son. Because God is a God of his word. Amen. So with that, we're going to receive an offering tonight. And... As the ushers are bringing up the offering baskets, thank you very much. You can take this opportunity to give. You can give online, um, text giving, if you will. And you can also do the old school of giving. Uh, envelopes on the back of the seat if you need to fill one out so we have your information. Um, you can do so. If you just want to give and you don't want it to be recorded so that we can send you uh, your giving report at the end of the year, you can do that as well. Although we do appreciate when you do fill out the information, we like to know who's giving and supporting the work of the kingdom and pray for you for whatever need you may have. Amen? All right. So you, at any time, you can go ahead and take this opportunity to bring your offerings before the Lord. And then those of you who are just ready to dive into the word of God, you can go back to Luke chapter 2, and we'll get ready to do the scriptures as we are on this, I'll call it a journey, if you will, just looking at the words that Jesus spoke, teaching in the scriptures. We're not looking at particularly like the seven last words as we've done in times past, but just some of the simple teachings that Jesus taught because that is what really matters um, as far as our relationship with the Father. The scripture says that we are to present our bodies in Romans chapter 12. We are to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And we're not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we may prove what is God's good and acceptable and perfect will. That transformation is what goes on 
on the inside, working its way out. Transformation, metamorpho, which comes from that Greek word that is, um, you know, is to change completely, if you will. It's the uh, best example is a caterpillar changing into a butterfly. Many of you, if not all of you, know that transformation process. And so God takes us from being an old, wretched, miserable sinner and transforms us into the sons of God. And from the inside out, we represent and reflect that transformation that he's doing. He works in us daily, if you will. But he also said in his word that we are being conformed to the image and likeness of Jesus. In other words, we're being molded into the image and likeness of Jesus to reflect Christ on this earth. So therefore, his words that he spoke to us, those words are important. They're known as the words in red, letters in red, if you will. And uh, I'm glad that the writers who did this did so that we might know specifically those words that Jesus said, because that's really what matters. He holds the words of eternal life, which is what his disciples said during that time when he was here on this earth. And so what he had to say matters. Amen? Say the truth matters. Glory and the truth will set you free. Praise be unto God. Has everyone given? I'll take this opportunity as well. We believe in giving, sowing our seed. Hallelujah. If you want to stand to your feet, we're going to lift this up. If there are any prayer requests, please, by all means, take this time to get them to us. And as we're praying over the offering, we'll pray about your prayer requests as well. Father, thank you. Praise God. Come on, gentlemen, let's hold this up before the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Stretch forth your hands in faith. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for this great and glorious night. We thank you that at this time, in this hour in which we live, that you are still moving in and throughout the earth. As we present these offerings unto you, we present them in the name that's above every name to the Father, your name, Jesus. And we also petition you on behalf of the saints of God. We thank you for those who willingly, freely, cheerfully, and bountifully give to support the work of the kingdom in the earth. We pray that you will bless them, exceeding all their expectations because they give towards your cause that souls might be saved. We pray for those who are without, those who are lacking. We pray for those who have no jobs, those who are in poverty, those who have a great need. We come into agreement with them tonight, whatever the need may be that your good, acceptable, and perfect will will be manifest in that situation. If it's poverty, break the back of poverty. You've already done it when you broke the curse off of us, poverty, sickness, and death. If it's a job that they need, create a job. If there's none that exists, 
where they're seeking employment, if it's a raise or a promotion, whatever they may need, if it's healing in their physical body, and whoever's having migraine headaches right now, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that you receive healing in Jesus' name. And the Lord comforts you right now. And we give you praise, Jesus. If it's healing, you'll manifest healing. If it's deliverance, Lord, breaking bad habits, breaking uh, negative thinking, Lord God, breaking, Father God, yokes and destroying and lifting burdens off of the people's lives in this house, in this place. Let it be, Father. Give them breakthrough. Let them see the goodness and the glory of God in the land of the living. Help each and every one that is crying out to you, even now, Jesus. And turn everything around for good, for glory, and for honor. Now bless the offering and bless your givers. And we thank you and give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated if you have it. I think these are the two guests. Uh, is it Deborah and Dave? Did I read that right? Deborah and Dale. Okay, sorry about that. Deborah. I got the Deborah right, but Dale. And it's my eyes. It's not your writing. It is Dale. Amen. Thank you. We welcome you once again in Jesus' name. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, so last week we were looking at Luke chapter 2, and particularly verses 40 through 52. Um, the child grew, and the child being Jesus, and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And it says, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of Passover. Let me uh, get you to the verse so that we are all on the same verse 41 when he was 12 years old so at 12 years of age Jesus was um, being brought up in the Jewish tradition and custom and every year or annually they would come to Jerusalem and they would come and they would worship God according to the commandments of the Lord three times a year you shall come to the place that I choose to put my name and you shall bring an offering, and you shall worship the Lord your God at that place. So this was, as it says, uh, Passover. And here he is, 12 years of age. They went up to Jerusalem after their custom of the feast. They fulfilled their days. When their days of feast were complete, verse 43, as they returned, the child Jesus remained behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to be in their company, they went a day's journey. Then they searched for him among their relatives and acquaintances. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Verse 47, all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. Obviously, at this point, at 12 years of age, uh, Jesus understood 
who he was and what he was about. It doesn't take you to be 40 years or 50 years old in order to find out who you are and what you're to be about as a child of God, although it does take that time for many. And one of the most uh, important things I believe in life is to know why you're here, why you came and somebody else didn't come in your place, why God saw fit for you to be born, even at the time that you were born. Um, to me personally, but then that's just personally. Other people have ways of trying to discover what their purpose is in life and all, but to me, you never truly, really, fully know your purpose until you come to the God who allowed you to come forth, fashioned you in your mother's womb, watched over you all the days of your life, even till this point, and now you're sitting in his congregation, worshiping him and hearing his um, uncompromised word, if you will. And so that's when you start to get on the path of the road of true purpose and true meaning in life. If you don't understand that, then you will wreck and waste your life. And many of us have spent a lot of years of prodigal living, and we can't get those years back, but we can redeem the time that we have now and make the most of every opportunity to fulfill that divine purpose and call. God's will is that none perish but all come to repentance. That will never change. No matter where we are born on this people planet called Earth, God loves each and every one of us so much so that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whosoever would believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. As I've said before, it's worthy of repeating right now. Jesus didn't come just to save the Jews or the Hebrews, if you will. Jesus came to save the entire world. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter what your social status is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you came up on the wrong side of the tracks, whatever the case may be. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost, and we all were lost, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So he died for all humanity, that all humanity through him could be saved and have a relationship with God. Why? Because then that brings us back to purpose, the original intent that God established in us. If you ever want to know what God's mind was concerning us, all we got to do is go to Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3. And those first three chapters will tell you about the beginning of creation for believers. We believe that everything began in God. We believe that God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the, uh, the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, if you will. We believe in creation as God spoke it, as God revealed it in his word. We believe that God created man in his image and after his likeness. He started with one man, Adam. He formed him of the dust of the earth, breathed into him the breath of life, and Adam became a living soul. When God created Adam, he said, let us make man, us being God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And then let us give them dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, over every creeping, crawling thing on the earth, the cattle and all. Let us give them dominion, rulership over all of this. That was God's desire in the beginning. And even in the beginning, God gave man a warning. He said, of every tree in the garden you may eat of, except in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day that you eat of that tree, that day you shall die. 
So he gave warning. So this is how good God is. First of all, he creates us in his image and after his likeness. He creates us to have dominion over this earth that he created for us. And he didn't create it for us to fight over. He created it for us to enjoy. He loaded this earth up with riches and treasures for our good, if you will. And so in doing all of this, he, as I said, he told him, you can eat of every tree in the garden except for that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's God establishing his authority. That's God demonstrating his love. What was the love part? He warned them ahead of time. If you do this, you're going to die. And so after God created all the beasts and brought all of the animals to Adam to see what Adam would call them and what Adam, whatever Adam called, that's the, just the grace and power of God. Whatever Adam called them, that's what it was. Now, that sounds simple just coming out, but when you think about it, it's like, I've created you. Now, name all of these things that I've created. And whatever you name it, that's what it is. I'm not going to second guess you. I'm not going to overrule you. I'm not going to intervene with you. I'm just going to let you do it. Now, do it. Based on everything that I put in you, do it. And whatever Adam called them, that's what it was. Well, then God saw fit. Well, I shouldn't say saw fit. God saw that there was no creature that was created that was comparable, suitable, or fit for Adam. So what he did, instead of going back to the dirt to form something or someone suitable, he just simply put Adam to sleep and then took from Adam the rib and then fashioned the rib into a woman. And so this is how we understand in the beginning, God made them male and female. He did not make two males. He made one male, and then from that male, he made female. And God thus established the pattern. He brought them before him, and he married them, and he gave them the command, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. The fruitful and multiply was when you come together in union, you're going to conceive seed. And just as surely as every tree reproduces after its own kind, this is what God expects us to do as well. Husband and wife reproduce after our own kind. And you notice God performed marriage. He not hitting on anybody, not belittling anybody, not condemning anybody. I'm just speaking the truth. He did not have them shack. God performed marriage. And it's like, this is the pattern. So if we want to go back to purpose, what God's original intent was, it's like, this is the pattern. So you see how far we've gotten away from God. And because society is so strong in their wrong, they could care less about what God says. And even though it's out of order and chaotic, if you will, they still won't come to their senses. And so thus you have what we have today, the mess. But we go back to the beginning. We go back to purpose. So as we're coming forward, we see God put them, uh, husband and wife together. They have their children. The, uh, because they have sinned, they ate of the tree that God said, don't eat of, they sin. And that's where all of the problems in the world that we face today came from. And every seed from Adam's loins and Eve's womb that came forth had that sinful nature that they opened up the door for in their own lives. That sinful nature 
went to them and their generations beyond. And so we have all of the mess that we have. Give me just one more minute and then I'll stop for tonight. So we come to purpose. Jesus, here he is at 12 years of age, and he understands purpose. He understands why he's here. He's not being rambunctious, running all over the place. At least it's not written. Um, he's 12 years of age. He's in the temple. He's asking questions about the word of God. He's questioning doctors or teachers, those who are learned in the scriptures about things, and he's asking them questions, and then they're asking him questions, and he's giving them answers, and even the questions that he's asking, they're amazed at him because he's only 12. It doesn't take forever to come into divine alignment. It's just a willing heart, and that's where Jesus was. So you have Jesus, 12 years old. They find him, and they ask him this question. Um, I'll just read it. His mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. Jesus said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not, or know ye not, that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not. You got to be willing to be misunderstood when you come into the purpose of God. Because not everybody is there. Even though they may be religious. Joseph and Mary were religious. When the angel Gabriel came to visit Mary and talk to Mary, Mary, uh, she was like, I don't understand how this is going to work. I've been raised up as a Jew. I've been raised up this way, but I don't understand how this is going to work. You're saying I'm going to conceive and give birth to a child. How shall this be, seeing that I know not a man? I'm engaged, but we have not had intimacy. So how shall this be? And then he describes to her what's going to happen to her, and that very thing happened to her. She knew about religion, but she didn't fully understand the relationship with God. And so they didn't understand. And there were other things that they didn't understand that was happening in Jesus' life. But Mary would do this one thing. Say, what's that one thing? She'd keep it in her heart. She wouldn't forget about it. She'd treasure it in her heart till she got understanding. When she brought Jesus into the temple, and they were offering him, uh, not offering him up, but uh, he went through his circumcision, and here they were presenting him to the Lord. And the, the, the prophetess uh, Anna comes up to him and just begins to prophesy. And then Simeon prophesies over here. And as they're prophesying, they're, they're like, wow, all of these things that are being spoken over the little babe. And yet, they didn't understand. But Mary kept these things in her heart, in her mind. She didn't just let them go. And so there'll be things that you don't understand in God. But you don't just let it go. Keep it in your heart. Keep it in your mind. Take it into prayer. Wait for God to unveil and unfold and reveal to you what is his will concerning the matter. Because God does nothing just for the sake of doing nothing. He does everything by divine purpose and counsel. The very fact that you're here tonight is by the will of God, the plan and the purpose of God concerning you in your relationship, whether you realize that or not, you know, it, it's, it's, it's on you in the sense of you've just been told. But nobody can force you when you are doing God's will that, you know, it is his purpose concerning you. 
Because some people are more interested in other things, and that's not criticizing, it's just a true observation. We can come alive to certain other things, but then when it comes to the things of God, we're like dead, calloused, and, you know, it's like it, it just doesn't hit us. It doesn't make sense to us, and we just don't see the need for something, or we make excuses and things like that. But it's like, no, when, when you get to that place, Jesus was 12 years old. When you get to that place, he's like, what do you mean you don't understand? What do you mean you're suffering? Didn't you know I must be about my father's business? It's like the word has come to you, and now it's being fulfilled. How can it be foreign to you? But the thing of it is, is God wants to lift the veil off of our eyes for all of us, especially here in 2020. Because in 2020, we see it as perfect vision. We see 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is loyal or perfect towards him. That's dad's will. And so when we get in God's will, we know that his eyes are upon us. And it doesn't matter what's going on around us. God is looking upon us, and he's ready to show himself strong. Don't matter what it is. My case may be different from your case. I may be having some other desire than you have as far as a desire, but it's a pure desire that you have. And because it's pure and it's right in the eyesight of God, you have every reason to petition him. You have every reason to seek him. You have every reason to expect him to deliver. Yeah, because he's not about disappointing you. He's not about, you know, giving you a broken heart and shattered dreams and things like that. He's not about making our lives miserable. He's about giving us life and life more abundantly. Amen? Stand to your feet. We'll pick it up next week, and uh, praise God, preferably we get further than uh, just this, because the next words that he spoke, these, those were the very first words that are recorded about Jesus and what he had to say. The next ones are, um, yeah, he's now 30 years of age, and he's dealing with the devil. Amen. Father, we thank you for this evening. Thank you for our guest. We thank you for all that you've done, everything you're doing and what you're about to do. We stand in agreement for miracles, healing, signs and wonders to be done in your name. And we release our faith that it may be so in Jesus' name. Everybody who agreed said amen. amen. All right. Thank you for coming out. If you need any prayer, please see us here at the altar. We'd love to greet our guests who are here for the first time. Make sure you greet one another in the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good to see you. Amen. Hallelujah.